0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, bringing you this week's episode of Pat Novak for Hire. Got any comments? Send them my way. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Please cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley. That's podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. And remember our listener survey, survey survey.greatdetectives.net, if you haven't filled that out. Well, I've come across a couple things I'll go ahead and let you know about. The first, and perhaps the most interesting, relates to Jocko Madigan. I listened to a radio show called Mystery Award Theater. Uh, this featured a story by Anthony Boucher, who writes the Sherlock Holmes episode uh, that we've been hearing the last few weeks. Um, he wrote a book called the Screwball Division. And the Screwball Division actually featured a drunk uh, detective uh, who was, uh, in one way, kind of like Jocko Madigan because he basically had just gone into being drunk, populated the bar all the time. However, the police brought all the hard cases to him, the ones they couldn't find, uh, uh, a solution to on their own. And he got this idea actually from uh, the Oracle of Delphi, um, where, peop- where in the ancient world they would bring their problems to the Oracle to solve. And the Oracle was someone who um, was basically uh, uh, high on glue, fu- glue fumes. So basically it was uh, inspired by that idea. Now, it does raise the question as to whether Jocko Madigan was partially inspired by the Oracle of Delphi or if he was partially inspired, uh, if the idea was partially inspired um, by uh, the screwball division. Obviously, there are some differences, but I I think there may have very well been some inspiration there. So, a tidbit I picked up... um, Also, the one thing I neglected to mention last week that's uh, somewhat important, I think it adds a little, uh, a different element here, is that uh, the day before uh, last week's episode of Pat Novak for Hire aired, uh, Agnes Bolton, uh, Dragnet actually hit the air. Um, So basically, on Thursday, Dragnet ran, and on Friday, uh, Pat Novak for Hire. Uh, ran on another network. Of course, uh, Pat Novak ran on ABC, Dragnet on NBC. Uh, The big overlap here occurs basically because of a difference of when ABC wanted to put um, Pat Novak on summer hiatus and when NBC uh, needed uh, Dragnet to begin as a summer replacement. So, basically, they're working for two different networks doing two different types of shows on consecutive nights. So, that's kind of fun to recreate the effect. Um, we don't have the first episode of Dragnet. That one is one of the great lost episodes of old-time radio. But if you have the app, which you can get at app.greatdetectives.net, um, as an extra, we'll add in uh, the episode of Dragnet that aired previously. So, kind of a uh, contrast of the two styles. All right, well, let's go ahead. We're going to get into today's episode of Pat Novak for Hire. This one is often called George Lampson, but it's really Georgie Lampson. That's the name of the character in the story. So, let's go ahead and we'll listen to Georgie Lampson and then we'll be back.
2: Put the sign out in front of my office says, Pat Novak for hire. Oh, sure, you can spell it 50 different ways, but down on the waterfront in San Francisco, it all means the same thing. You pay and I'll do, and the customer's always right if he's got an open wallet. Then I'll match it with an open mind. Unless he's after murder, then the price gets out of range. And down here, you're either high on your toes or flat on your back, because most of the time you get only one kind of pitch, fast and inside, and you don't cry if you're foul because nobody cares. Even then, you can't complain. During the summer, the morgue's the coolest spot in town. Oh, I rent boats and wrap up small sims and $20 bills. The money's good when you get it, but there's no retirement plan, and you can't buy vaccination for trouble. I found that out last Wednesday night. I closed up shop about 8 o'clock, and I started walking home. The city was down its hands and trying to crawl through one of those San Francisco hot spells that blast by every five years. From up on the hill, a Chinatown tenement's lined up down below like sweaty little kids waiting for a shower. It was heat and headaches all the way. But when I opened my front door and stepped inside, who wanted to talk about the weather? She was standing in the dark smoking a cigarette and a silhouette figure cut against the window was something you'd never believe. Then she reached over and turned on a lamp. It was a fast, dizzy trip, but when I got around to her eyes, they were the kind that made you think of hard-working geysers. Deep and warm, and you knew you could count on some fast action when they came to a boil. The smile was familiar, and the lips were red and moist, like a souped-up rose waiting for a bee. Uh, she did lots of nice things with her mouth, and talking was one of them.
3: Patsy, welcome home. Been a long time.
2: Yeah, it's good to see you, Georgie. What's on your mind?
3: Patsy, can't you ever take your time? It's not mine, it's borrowed. Anything
2: special in mind? Mm-hmm.
3: easy business. Got a drink?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. How easy?
3: Just a boat ride. You can't get hurt.
2: That's what they told the Spanish Armada.
3: Getting soft, Patsy? No,
2: not in my head. Now, look, if it's work, let's talk. Otherwise, let's just be cute, huh?
3: All right, Patsy. The last time you saw me was a year ago. As far as you know, I'm not in town. Fine?
2: You tell me. Go on.
3: Tomorrow night, a freighter's due in here from Shanghai, the SS Calcutta. I want to be on the welcoming committee.
2: Who says you can't?
3: Nobody yet. But the ship's going to anchor in the stream, so I need a boat.
2: I need you. I'm not the social type. I don't think I'll go.
3: Believe me, Patsy, it's an easy trip.
2: So's falling downstairs. Come on, let's deal her drink.
3: All right, Patsy. My stepmother's going to meet the Calcutta, too. Who's she? Mrs. Sheila Lampson.
2: She likes parties?
3: She likes a package she's going to get from somebody aboard the Calcutta. Uh, what's in it? That's her business. I just want to make sure she gets that package ashore, uh, all right. You in on it? She doesn't even know I'm in town.
2: Who picks up the check?
3: Here. the $40 cover it?
2: too much for an easy job and not enough for a hard one. Where do I find you if I need bail?
3: Here's a phone number. You can call me there tomorrow. And, Patsy... Thanks. I don't forget easy. Why the rush? Because you scare me, Patsy. You really scare me. Remember the party, Patsy? Yeah.
2: But memories are like everything else. They wear out.
3: Then let's make some new ones, Patsy.
2: down the hall toward the stairs. The white dress she had on was plain enough, but it didn't have a mind of its own. It just did what it was told and tried to behave, but Georgie and nature wouldn't let it. There was only one catch in seeing Georgie. She always left too soon, like a small bottle of fine whiskey. Well, it must have been a good five minutes after she left when I heard the buzzer. I was looking for the white dress when I opened the door, but I was looking the wrong way. came down hard on the side of my head. I went down like mercury in a quick freeze. The trip wasn't nice, but it was long. Halfway there, I came up for breath. I found the deck of one of my own boats under me. The Bay Bridge lights were still around, and that made it kind of cozy. When my eyes got in focus, the smooth-looking bundle laid out next to me shaped up like Georgie Lampson. She wasn't looking her best. I had just enough time to remember a pair of women's shoes standing next to my face. and Then I must have moved, and they punched my ticket for a return trip. The next time I opened my eyes, I was looking up at the lights on Pier 19. The shoes were still there, but this time they were black. And the feet inside squashed out wide and flat like tired beefsteak. That meant only one thing. Hellman from Homicide.
0: You can stop playing mouse, Novak. Get Get up. The party's over.
2: Yeah, Hellman. I thought they'd never go home.
0: Your boyfriend here isn't talking. Is he bashful? Yeah, Novak.
2: He's real shy. He's dead. Who is he? That's what you get paid for. What about the girl that was here? County Hospital. You better pray she makes it, Novak. Because you like blonde helmets? Because nobody beats two murder raps, Novak. Oh, you talk funny.
0: So does this Uncle Lead Pipe.
2: Your prints are all over it. Would that make me
0: a plumber? Better than that, Novak. The pipe fits the dent in that guy's skull like it grew there.
2: Well, maybe he's the plumber.
0: You're smart, Novak. Now, come on, who's the guy and who is the dame? He's Georgie Lampson, the guy I don't know.
2: Will, Novak. We'll take care of that. Oh, you try hard, don't you, Hellman? You move your lips when you read, you use your fingers when you count, but you never get the right answer. Don't tell me, Novak, I'm not my cherry best in the morning. You don't have a best, Hellman. You tried thinking once, but it gave you a headache. Now when you get in a squeeze, you have to pound your way out with your fist.
0: I warned you, Novak. Now talk nice and save teeth.
2: Yeah. I'll talk when that blonde tells her story. If she makes the grade, how does she figure? She met me in my apartment last night on business. Five minutes after she left the doorbell rang. When I answered it, somebody sapped me. Now you take it from there. Yeah, I will. Right to the D.A. Go ahead, Hellman, but don't look hurt when the case blows up in your face. You giving odds? That's all I'm giving, Hellman. You figure it. I took the gal and this girl I don't even know for a ride at three in the morning. We had a party and I killed a guy. But the gal I only messed up good
0: because I like the way she talks. You sound scared, no that. Well, I'm not
2: Hellman, but you are because it doesn't add. Why did they beat my skull with that same hunk of pipe and how did I drive back here to meet you?
0: Keep your mouth open, smart boy. They got a little green room up at San Quentin. Gets awful stuffy
2: when they close the door. Well, after I left Hellman, I figured I'd had a bumper crop of trouble for one day. The sun was just beginning to stagger up over the Berkeley Hills when I caught a cab uptown. On the way, I stopped off for coffee and a 6 a.m. chronicle at one of the little Greek joints off Geary Street. The windows were blind with grease and the light was bad, but the reading was money from home. The story made me stop counting the lumps on my head. Professor Burton Lampson had gotten himself murdered in a Shanghai hotel room a month ago and they were sending his body back on the SS Calcutta. It was due to anchor in the bay that night, like Georgie said, but the shipping page didn't agree. The Calcutta was listed inside the gate at 7.30 the night before. How did that check out? And what about that package that had everybody worried? Well, when I got back to my apartment, I called the hospital to check on Georgie. They were still giving odds The long, thin kind A little later, I was in the middle of a cold shower Adding up rows of zeros And getting different answers every round when the phone rang It was Hellman, and he was selling nothing but smiles
0: You feeling any better,
2: Novak? Oh, don't tell me you're worried
0: We just identified the dead guy His name's Warren Haynes, local socialite,
2: you know him? Yeah, I'm an old friend of the family The guy's
0: are from one of the old families in town, the important kind
2: His blood wasn't blue No,
0: but we are We're feeling the pressure already, so I'm calling you in today for a little talk. That's
2: a great job, Hellman. You keep on smacking your fat lips because you're going to get more answers than questions. That's funny,
0: Novak. I didn't think you knew the difference.
2: Well, I hung up the phone. I was seeing more red than the bleachers of the bullfighting. I probably would have walked right by him if he didn't open his mouth. Even then, it wasn't much more than a loud squeak. He was a skinny guy standing against the door with a half-smile, twisting his mouth and a bright, wild look in his eyes.
4: You seem disturbed, Mr. Novak.
2: Where's your invitation, mister?
4: This should prove sufficient, Mr. Novak.
2: All right, so you want a gun. What happens now? Now, Mr. Novak, I use the gun unless you'll hand over the package. Sorry, mister, you're in the wrong laundry. Mr. Novak, I've been crossed once today. I don't intend it to happen twice. The package... Now, look, you, I'm going to spell it again. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, take that can on your pointing and... I think off. you realize I'm about to use this gun, Mr. Novak, for the last time. All right, all right. We'd find it right over there. Now here, right next to that. Oh, come, come on, give me
0: that gun before somebody gets hurt.
2: He stood there for a minute, shaking his head as if he wanted to go back and wipe five minutes from his life. All of a sudden, he jerked around on his tracks and he stumbled for the door like a timid drunk when you tell him he's had enough. Then he folded up hard against the wall on his knees but it was a little too late for prayers. I stood there for a minute trying to think of a good lawyer who owed me money, but all I could see was a courtroom and a picture of Hellman smiling as he listened to the verdict. Well, accident or not, if Hellman dropped in with a body on the floor, he'd bury me so deep in San Quentin he'd be bringing me air in paper bags. When the knot in my stomach untied, I dragged the little guy away from the door and I rolled him on his back. His eyes were still asking for the package, but the rest of him didn't care. Outside of a... A few bucks his wallet was empty, not even a laundry tag. Well, I got dressed, and I pulled the blinds and locked the place up. Then I went out to look for the only honest guy I know, an ex-doctor by the name of Jocko Madigan. He was a fine surgeon until something made him decide life was temporary at best. Now he's got a permanent post on a bar stool looking for answers at the bottom of whiskey bottles. It's hard on the liver that way, but you're never short on dreams. I finally found him with a bourbon halo and a musty little Italian joint over in North Beach. It was a long stretch from Easter Monday, but he was still celebrating Irish independence. He looked like he was on the wrong side because his nose was a bright orange.
0: Ah, Patsy, my boy, you're just in time. These simple but honest Sicilians have agreed to
2: embark with me on a crusade. And as honorable past president of the
0: Sons of St. Patrick, the, uh, Powell Street chapter, I invite you to join us.
2: Come on, Jacko, sober up, I've got to talk to you, old.
0: To fittingly observe the occasion of Old Era's joyful victory, we're first fortifying ourselves with grappa and bushmills. Then we sally forth to chase all the snakes out of Long Beach
2: and the cockroaches out of Chinatown. How does that strike you, Patsy? And uh, why aren't you smiling? It's a glorious day. Because I'm in a jam and I want to talk, Jocko. Now cut it. Oh, Patsy, you remind me of that devil era fellow. You're sitting on the curb and pouting just because they won't let you march in front of the band in the victory parade. You're sour, Patsy. Admit it, Jocko. Will you snap out of it? I'm in big trouble. You're always in trouble, Patsy. You're a child of adversity. A son of scorn. The fate's in your eye and you try to retaliate, but the wind's always blowing in the wrong direction. You're a lost leaf in the mortal storm, Patsy. You're a pebble shaking a tiny fist at the mountain. You'd like to fight for some strange, fantastic cause, wouldn't you, Patsy? But you can't find anybody your size. Men are too small and the gods are too big. Patsy, you're lost. Are you all through? Yeah. What kind of trouble? Oh, with a pair of bum murder rats, Jocko. Somebody sat me in my apartment last night and I woke up this morning with a dead guy. That sounds interesting. Uh, what was it you were drinking? Hellman's out to pin this on me. Oh, a dubious honor. You uh, mentioned two murders. A guy came in my apartment this morning waving a gun and asking for a package that I never heard of. We started wrestling for the gun. Uh, mildly exciting. Who got it? He did, right in the chest. Patsy, you have absolutely no excuse for losing your temper. Why, you're not even Irish. Still, you're always getting hot headed at the wrong time. It was an accident, Jocko. I didn't even know the guy. I'm sorry, but I can't cry. Sure. That's what the British general said after he hung Robert Emmett at the dock. But he didn't straighten out the Marcel in his neck. What are you doing out of jail? Well, you're knocking off, Jocko. Now, look, did you ever hear of a Mrs. Sheila Lanson? Certainly, and uh, I'm very offended with her. In the past year, she's set up drinks for every eligible and non-eligible in San Francisco except me. That sounds good. What else? Not much, but I often wonder what that poor old professor she married does with his evenings. He stop worrying, Jocko. He's dead. Now, look, will you hop down to the Chronicle Morgue and check with Steve Nagel? Have him dig out all the old clips on the professor and Mrs. Lamson, will you? And while you're there, check on a guy by the name of Warren Haynes. You got that? Yes, but uh, what do I do for money? Half a buck for car fare and nothing for booze. Patsy, surely you're jesting. Jocko, will you quit clowning and get going? If you say so, Patsy, but you've broken up a beautiful party. My Sicilian friends have gone to sleep and I'm thirsty again. Let's have four or five for the road, shall we? Later, Jocko. Oh, all right, Patsy, but only for you. By the way, where can I find you? I'm going to tag by the county hospital, and then I'm going to look up Sheila Lamson. If I remember the story correctly, Patsy, you'd better reverse your schedule. Good night, lover. When I left Jocko, I tagged by Mama Lupo's on Kearney Street, and I called the hospital again. Oh, if Georgie was a little better. At least the undertakers had stopped bidding. Mama Lupo clouded up for a storm when I asked to borrow her new car for a couple of hours, but a few pats and a pinch, and she was all giggles and car keys. Ten minutes later, I was fighting traffic on Potrero Avenue. The south wind out there brought the slaughterhouses right into your front seat. I found the hospital out on the far edge, and it was a nice-looking pile of dirty red brick. The nurse in the ward didn't believe I was Georgie's brother, until I asked her if she was busy Saturday night, Then she saw the resemblance right away. I found Georgie behind a couple of screens at the end of the ward. For a dying woman, she looked pretty good. She smiled a little when she saw me, like she was saving up for a bigger try later on. Patsy, I'm glad you made it. Look, I'm going to keep it short, baby. Who was it last night?
3: Sorry, Patsy.
2: Big deal. You can't tell her you won't.
3: Can't, Patsy. Later I will.
2: And that package, same deal? Same. Well, I got a deal too, Georgie, a murder rap. They want to hang it on me. Who was it? Warren Haynes. Do you know him?
3: I remember. Good corpse.
2: I left you slicing it awful thin for 40 bucks, Georgie.
3: Patsy. Patsy,
2: trust me. No choice, baby. You're driving. Don't go through any red lights.
3: I want Patsy. to. You. Telephone, Mr. Novak.
0: I said it was urgent.
2: That's it, Georgie. I'll see you later. Yeah?
0: Having a good time, Novak?
2: You know any phone numbers besides mine, Hellman?
0: Not today, bright boy. you hear near a street car or do I send a chauffeur? What's your beef? Our beef, Novak. Like it's fine if you paid us a visit real
2: soon. Sorry, Hellman. Book solid. Command
0: performance, Novak. I wouldn't disappoint. You. What's the matter,
2: Hellman? You want it in blood? I told you I don't know anything about last night. I never saw Haynes before. You got me
0: wrong, Novak. This one's about a knife. We just found it in your office down on the waterfront. It's
2: fine. Peel yourself an apple and keep busy. You better
0: come down, Novak. We found the knife in some guy's back. <laughs>
2: Jeannie couldn't get out of that one in two hours with both hands and a can of olive oil. It was like chasing cyanide with a bucket of brandy. Well, it tastes bright, but it's only a matter of time. Well, I headed for Sheila Lamson's place, and on the way, I pulled up by a drugstore out in the Hate Street jungles and called the Chronicle Morgue. They said Jocko had just left, so I called the nearest bar and asked if they had a customer with a bright orange nose. They did.
1: In January, the great detectives of old-time radio served up 55,000 file downloads, And that number will only increase as we begin to add video. We easily use 350 gigabytes of bandwidth, which would cause many web hosts to pitch a fit. Not mine. One-on-one provides unlimited, unmetered bandwidth on reliable servers. This means that I don't have to worry about hosting, just providing you the best of the golden age detectives. If you want this great, worry-free experience at a reasonable price for your home and business web hosting needs, visit hosting.greatdetectives.net or go to greatdetectives.net and click on the one-on-one banner. And now, back to our show. Jocko
0: Madigan speaking.
1: Jocko, this is Novak. What would you find out?
0: Ah, Patsy, just enjoying a small refresher after some very excellent reading. For instance? Sheila Howard Lumpson. She started seeing the professor back in forty-six. There was a scandal, the the nasty kind, and the professor's first wife, Barbara, jumped off the bridge, the uh, bay bridge.
2: Yeah, go on.
0: A month after she married the professor, Sheila was mentioned in every gossip column in town. So the professor took off on a scientific trip to China. A month ago, he was murdered in a Shanghai hotel and a hatful of emeralds was stolen. The authorities figured that the murder was premature. What do you mean? Well, the professor had had three major operations, and at the time of the murder, he had less than a week to go.
2: What about Haynes?
0: Haynes is one of those black sheep that wealthy families have, uh, cut off without a penny. He's one of Sheila Lamson's escorts, and he's now on his way back from the Orient on the SS Calcutta. Anything else?
2: Jocko, I could kiss you.
0: Patsy, you stick to your line, and I'll stick to mine.
2: was still a sack full of holes and question marks but at least Jocko's leads had a little juice in them I found the Lampson house in the best part of the Cliff district. It was one of those big nervous joints hanging by its shutters to the side of a steep drop that slid down sharp into the Pacific. All green, trim and stucco the color of mortgages The front doorbell was wearing out in my hand when the maid showed up and then she was tongue tied. She didn't know a thing except good money when it was offered. And then she told me I'd find Mrs. Lampson in the second floor sitting room. She went away I found the sitting room all right, but Mrs. Lampson wasn't there. So I followed on through till I came to a bedroom with a bright red ceiling and a lived-in feeling. Reminded you of something Henry VIII might order for a bridal suite. She was sitting next to the couch holding a martini and making noises like a leopard on a honeymoon.
4: Hello. Well, call me baby.
2: Yeah. You always wear handkerchiefs to parties?
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Saves time. Dressing. Very nice. Have a drink?
2: I'll fix them.
4: Oh, What's your name?
2: Novak. What's yours?
4: <laughs> is
2: What a name or a game.
4: <laughs> You're just like Mike. He's my new boyfriend.
2: Mrs. Nidoff?
4: Oh, no. He just went downstairs for a minute. <clears throat> hey. you have like a nice drink, Mr. Novak. Warm.
2: Yeah. You got a fever or something?
4: No. Must be the weather, Mr. Novak. You feel it?
2: a big spender, aren't you? What I do when Mike walks in. Smile.
4: Oh, Mike's broad minded
2: How about Sheila?
4: you fix a good drink, Mr. Novak. You ask a lot of questions,
2: too. Yeah, well, that's because I like answers. Now, what about Sheila?
4: Hey, you're going to get rough. I'll call Mike. All
2: right, all right.
4: I'm Sheila's sister, and it's much better when you're nice to me.
2: All right, then let's start being nice, huh? Oh,
4: Mr. Novak. What was
2: that for? I'm a big spender, too. Here, have another drink.
4: I think maybe I'll have another you, Mr. Novak. Is that Mike coming upstairs?
2: Could be, baby. Now, come on, where's Sheila?
4: Oh, Sheila, Sheila, who cares? She's downtown anyway.
2: She won't know. she a... Hey,
4: where are you going?
2: Sorry, baby, I got a date. I'm not busy. What well, I do... Don't let him
4: leave, Mike. He does. He's going to walk through me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, baby, he's not my type. Mike was a tall, wide package, so I gave him a bargain offer. He didn't fold after two, but he had a kind of hurt look in his eye when I hit him the third time, like I didn't know he could take a hint. When he wound up and hit the floor, every window in the house rattled, and I figured the Berkeley seismograph got a cheap thrill. I it as far as the front door when I heard a car pull up in the driveway. When I got to the window a dame and a guy were getting out of a new Nash and heading for the door. The guy was a middle class gunsel but if the gal was Sheila Lampson she made nice opposition. Well, I couldn't wait around to see. I finally managed to make my apartment without having one of Hellman's men pick me up and when I got in Jocko was just pouring himself another glass of green dreams and posing in the mirror like a man of distinction. The stiff was still there on the floor next to a glass of ice water.
0: Patsy, I don't
2: approve of your choice of party guests. The guy's dead, Jackal. Oh. Well, in that case, I'll overlook it. This is the friend you were telling me about? When are you due at the gas chamber, Patsy? Telephone calls. Oh, now that you mention it, yes. Hellman Regularly on the quarter hour. Not very coherent, but I got the idea he's looking for you. Also a call from the hospital. They wanted to know the whereabouts of a Miss Georgie Lamson. What do you mean? It seems she disappeared a few hours ago from one of their wards. Oh. Patsy, you look worried. Uh, perhaps a sampling of this delicate dollar ambrosia would help uh, try it. No, thanks. Suit yourself, Patsy. Myself, I'm an old subscriber to the Socrates' plan of self-destruction. If you want it done right, do it yourself. Uh, by the way, uh, have you noticed our friend's hands lately? Huh? It looks like he's entertaining a scrap of paper in his right hand. Yeah, I see it. i see it. Uh... Mm-hmm. He seems kind of stingy with it, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, I got it. Uh-huh. Oh, an old envelope. Not even a coded letter to puzzle over. I'll settle for the address, Jocko. Take a look. Uh, Captain Edward Small, SS Calcutta, Paramount Line, Shanghai. Well, that's nice. Uh, Shall we have another drink? Later, Jocko. Right now we haven't got the time. Mm That's who I think is, dispatcher. You're going to have lots of time. I'll
0: just rip up a short one.
2: Novak talking.
0: Listen, smart boy, and listen hard. This is for the last time. You check in here in ten minutes or I'll send out an all points. Dead or alive,
2: Novak. All right, Hellman. There's a dead guy here in my apartment right now. His name's Captain Edward Small, off the Calcutta. I don't
0: need any more bodies, Novak. I can hang you twice with what I got. All right, copper.
2: But if you want your picture in the paper tomorrow, you can meet me out in C-Clip in 15 minutes. 48 Camino Drive. (laughs) When I hung up the phone, most of the puzzle straightened out like wet wash in a dry wind. Now, there's one thing you can count on. When you bet on miracles, you buy a ticket straight through. I finally pulled up at the Lampson place and I started looking around for Hellman. The joint looked about as crowded as a Kremlin breakfast for Senator Taft. I was taking a fast check trying to figure how far they could have gone when Hellman fought his way through the box hedge by the driveway. We circled down behind the garage and around the back of the house. we just made it in time for the curtain scene. Sheila Lampson was backing down slow toward the seawall, waving her arms in the air and begging every inch of the way. And Georgie stumbled after her like the avenging angel, and she had a gun. She had a coat tossed over her hospital gown, and the look in her eyes told the whole story. Tears and hate and lots of both. No, No, you've
0: got to stop her! She's crazy! She's crazy! She wanted to kill me! What's so
2: crazy about that?
0: You're sweet,
3: Patsy,
2: but you weren't invited. Don't get too close to the it's animals. It's your gun, Georgie. Don't let it hang you. This is Hellman from Homicide.
3: No good, Patsy. This one's for me. Isn't it, Sheila? Georgie, Isn't it for me?
0: Please, Georgie, don't!
3: No, thank like her. Stop it.
2: Stop it.
3: All right, girls,
2: let's break it up. Be good, copper. You too, Patsy. It's your neck. It won't look good stretch.
3: Please, Georgie. Don't eat that, Sheila. Not yet. First, I want to tell you how clever you are. How sweet you looked at my mother's funeral. How you ruined my father. How to screech with other men, Sheila. Oh, was magnificent.
0: Georgie. Georgie. please. I didn't know, Georgie. I didn't know it. I swear I'll make it up, you. Please. One other please. thing,
3: Sheila. Listen to me, Sheila. Those emeralds you've got. The ones you sent Haynes to Shanghai for. The ones he killed my father for. They were glass, Sheila. Ten-cent
0: green glass. You hear, Sheila? Glass. Georgie,
2: please.
0: please. Georgie, watch it. Sheila's got
2: a gun. Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy. Take it easy, baby. you got a long trip.
3: She's dead. Isn't she, Betsy? She's dead.
2: She didn't die, baby. With that much lead, she sank. It burns, Patsy.
3: It burns.
2: It'll cool. The fog's starting to come in.
3: Remember the party, Patsy?
2: Yeah, I remember.
3: Then
4: say it, Patsy. Please say it now. Say it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Georgie, I'd say it. But you're not listening. Georgie's coat pocket that told most of the story, and then Hellman grabbed Mike and Sheila's sister and sweated the rest out of them. Well, it wasn't a pretty story, but it moved. When Sheila spent the professor broke and he checked out over in China, Georgie decided to blow the whistle on her. She made up that phony yarn about the emeralds, and then she let Haines murder her father and walk off with them. They were glass. To make it look good, Haynes played pallbearer and took the boat back with the body. But not before Georgie tipped the captain and the first mate about that sack of emeralds Haynes was supposed to have. So they went to work. They robbed Haynes and planted a fake for a fake. It was a real cat and mouse game. Georgie only made one mistake, but sometimes that's all it takes. She flew back here a few days before the Calcutta got in so that she could be around for the payoff. One of Sheila's pals must have spotted her and trailed her to my place. And then the sapping started. That was the same night the Calcutta got in and people started checking packages and pulling triggers. When Sheila found her package was a fake, she figured Haynes was being cute, so he got it first. And Then she went out after that original fake. She tried to double up and hang Haynes' body on me and get rid of Georgie at the same time. But Georgie didn't die easy. I don't know how the captain got on the meat, probably through Sheila. But her gunsel friends took care of the first mate with a knife when he got anxious. Well, when the dust lifted and they counted cold noses, it was a real devil's game. Wherever he was, Georgie's old man must have been holding his sides and rolling in the aisles. Yeah, a real plum. And Sheila found out when you get close enough to the seed, the taste gets bitter. Well, Hellman asked only one question. How come a smart girl like Georgie bought something as stupid as revenge? I don't know. She was a lot better at a lot of other things.
0: included Lois Andrews, Steve Brody, Herbert
2: Lytton, Jerry Hausner, Ivan Dittmars, Ray Erlenborn and Hal Sawyer. This is a Larry Finley transcription brought to you from Hollywood.
1: Welcome back. Well, Pat Novak's pay is getting down to the scale of the regular uh, private investigator. Um, $40. Decent 1940s private investigator pay, unlike in some of the earlier episodes. And of course, we had the Oracle of Powell Street show up um, in Jocko Madigan. All right, well, one thing before we uh, go. A uh, programming note, we are nearing the end of Pat Novak for Hire. We only have two episodes left, and then we're done. Uh, so I'm going to announce our next series, and it will be uh, uh, succeeding. Pat Novak will be doing Johnny Madero. Um, and you'll notice a big change. Okay, it's a pretty much a clone uh, but uh, but uh, in uh, three weeks, we'll be doing Johnny Manero. And uh, so look forward to that. Uh, got any comments, send them to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, please uh, vote for the show on podcast, alley podcast, alley.greatdetectives.net. And uh, uh, if you have the app, uh, feel free to take a listen to the extra, which is uh, the nickel-plated gun from Dragnet.